Well, welcome back to Love Your Melanin podcast. We've been absent a while, but I know you will understand that it was not through lack of wanting, but always circumstances that happened. But here we are, we're back and full of force and ready to go. I am your host, Maya, and with me is Dr. Sevin, who Hello. is here to tell us all about we're going to be talking today about how to treat your acne and specifically when you have sensitive and melanin rich skin so hello Savine. hey hello everybody so guess what life happened also for us here at love your melanin podcast uh but we're so excited to be back in touch with you girls and boys out there so today we are going to go uh, dive into acne, acne treatment, etc. Right? Yes. Dive uh, into it in depth. And um, I know Dr. Sevin is going to tell us all about um, the causes of acne and a whole bunch of things that we need to know. Of course. So the first thing that we need to know is that it's a there's many factors that influence the appearance of acne. It's, it's considered a multi-factorial multi uh, disease, skin yes. disease, right? This means that it's not just one issue or one element in your life or your skin um, that will detonate acne or the appearance of acne. So that translates evidently into treatment, right? So if it's many factors that can interfere in acne actually appearing, um, then logically there will be many factors to take into account when we're considering a treatment, right? Uh, apparently uh, in the United States, around more or less, according to American um, Academy of Dermatology, it's approximately 50 million people in the United States alone That's a who lot. have acne, yeah. And if we focus on specific age groups, uh, speaking of teenagers, it's up to 85% of teenagers. Uh, we're speaking only of the United States um, that actually have acne, right? So that is a great percentage of the population. Yes, it is. And, and that explains the great interest that there always is on this on this subject, right? Right. So th this translates also because there's so many people that are suffering acne. Uh, remember 50 million people in the United States out of all the teenagers, close to 90% of them experience it at some time. And then the consequences of acne, such as uh, spots and, uh, you know, hyperpigmentation and scarring, all that stuff remains with those people that have suffered, those patients, it remains with them to deal with. So, so this, yeah. Go ahead. So these, this leads to a great opportunity for a bit, making business, making money. That right. explains the a great amount, like the immense amount of products that are out there to treat acne. And therefore we can have an, like an overproduction of, an overlaunching of products and gimmicks and all kinds of things for acne because evidently everybody wants a piece of cake from this great um, 
money-making opportunity. But what we want to show you today, what we want to talk to you about, what we want, to, want you to take home after the podcast is to understand really what could be the causes of acne. And then what are the limited sources that we have to actually treat it? And then you can take a decision on it, whether it's a good idea or not to invest in the new product or blah, 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 et cetera. Right, right. I'm sorry, I interrupted your idea. Maya. No, because I was going to ask you, for example, you were talking about teenagers. In that case, most of the time, is it more hormonal acne? Because there are so many different things, like you said, so many different factors that come into when we have acne. And there, there's some acne that is uh, caused by hormonal imbalance. Some of them is the swelling of the skin, um, you know, the, the sebum deep being deregulated. There are so many different things that come, that those so many different factors that can be the cause of acne. And I was going to ask you if the first, what would be the first line of how to treat this acne? Wouldn't it be that you have to, would it be that you need to find out what's the cause of your acne first? Yes, definitely. And how that do would, you find out? That would be the, the, the first issue we would encounter in treating acne, right? So keep in mind, that the pathogenesis or the understanding of the pathogenesis which is which means how this disease comes to be um, the understanding of it regarding acne is constantly evolving right so we can now say that at this moment in time the main factors that influence the appearance of acne can be follicular hyperkeratinization okay Okay, what does that mean? That means that our skin is, the fact that we can feel our skin um, with the texture it has. Right. It's because it, ha it's a, it, it's a, it has keratin, right? Exactly. So if you touch the inside of your lip, it doesn't. So that's why you feel a different texture, okay? So in, in the pores. Oh, inside the, of the lip it doesn't have it? That's interesting to know. Yeah. So what happens is that our skin is producing, if it's producing too much keratin, right, then our pores will get blocked because keratin is a very strong protein that is, uh, that is going to build up, right? Correct. So that can be one of the factors, okay? Yes. Uh, one of the factors that play an important role in developing acne. Another one can be microbial colonization, which means that there is basically an infection or that a certain kind of bacteria has grown, its population has grown way beyond a balanced state, okay? Then another factor could be the production of sebum. That we are referring to our, our sebaceous glands being overactive, producing too much oil, right? Okay, we're, we've been talking about keratin blocking our pores, okay? Bacteria overgrowth or infection, okay? Sebaceous overproduction, okay? And then also complex inflammatory mechanisms who, which can both be innate or acquired, right? 
So when we're speaking of inflammatory mechanisms, we can be referring to hormonal states, right? Um, for instance, during pregnancy, we can experience uh, acne. Yes. Because we are in a pro-inflammatory state, okay? During teenage, during the teenage years. Why? Because hormones are uh, swift, uh, shifting and we have different levels depending on what age we're at, what kind of development we're going through. Um, so that sets up a pro-inflammatory atmosphere in our body. Yes. Okay? So our skin is part of that. What other things can cause inflammation? Well, habits. Um, smoking could be diet. Okay. Those are the acquired uh, mechanisms that produce inflammatory. But then there are mechanisms that are innate, which means that we can inherit a predisposition from our parents to, to produce acne. Okay. Um, and then many things can be mixed together. We can be producing too much sebum and then have overgrowth of bacteria, but then also have a genetic predisposition. Right. So this is basically like the different roads that can lead up to what we know now to having acne. Okay. And yes, because of what you said, Maya, it's very important to determine which of these factors are actually producing uh, the acne in a certain patient, uh, because then that's the road that we're going to have to take to block this roads that lead to acne depending right. on what it is that's causing it. Right. Like you said. Right. Figure out what the origin is, right? Figure out how, what the origin is. And in the mm -hmm. meantime that you get yourself into a doctor, what do you think um, that there, what types of steps do you think this person can take in order to figure out what's causing the acne before they, before they get to a doctor? Because sometimes, it's not everyone that A, can maybe just afford to go to a doctor, and B, that it will take a very long time to even get to see a doctor. Okay, so when we're doing this uh, without, let's say, the, the, uh, the initial approach is not going to a dermatologist or not seeing a doctor, or while you get there, I know in the States it's a little different, you need to go through many steps to, to get That's specialist right. consultations, etc. So we first have to take into account that there are basic measures that we need to incorporate into our lifestyle. Whether you have active acne or not, uh, because all these measures that I'm going to speak about are basic skin hygiene measures, right? That will prevent Thank you. Any, any possible infection in the future to actually be settled in our, uh, on our skin. So first thing is to have proper hygiene, which would, depending on how oil producing your skin is, um, it's, uh, you have to take measures depending on that. For instance, if you're a teenage uh, patient and you are noticing that you're very shiny, okay, all over your face, you're probably very shiny, nose, the, t the famous T-zone, very active area for sebaceous glands, okay? Or if you notice that you have 
little bumps on your arms and your legs, like strawberry legs. Okay. That speaks of keratin overgrowth or overproduction of keratin, oh, wow. which could also translate that the same thing is happening on your face. So there, those two could be two factors of you know, that could interfere in actually producing acne, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then if you see that your acne sort of spreads, that speaks of bacterial infection. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. You need to have facial hygiene, but also fomite hygiene. Fomite is anything that is an inanimated object that can transfer bacteria to the human yes to the human skin or to the human body right sorry for my lighting there it's why okay, so, I almost uh, well, it's not why it's why I I didn't want to continue with medical school when I word I heard about the word fomite <laughs> check out the first episode of everybody <laughs> right so so what can it be now here it could be our pillowcase okay yes anything that's going to come in contact with your skin Hands are not a fomite because these are not inanimated objects, yes. but we can transfer bacteria uh, from everything that we're touching during the day. Probably one of the only good things that COVID has left behind is the increased habit of washing hands washing and hands. being more conscious of, of touching the face. But this is a big no-no. Touching your face, once you've washed it, applied your skin regimen, it's off limits, okay? Yes. It's very easy to be doing this, you know, if you're at school, you're at work. Yes, you're, like this. It's so easy That's to do that. That's my bad habit, too. And I have to it, catch myself very often not to do It's a bad this. habit. Yes. Another thing that can also be a fomite is it's our, our phones. Our phones are a, a horrible yeah. source of mm -hmm. bacteria growth. So if, you're, if we're constantly having our phones to our cheeks and then... This is an exercise that everybody can, can try out at home. Check out if you've noticed that you, you, you have a little more breakouts on the cheek where you generally answer your phone. For me, it's the right cheek. So I've consciously been um, reminding myself to clean my phone constant, mm -hmm. constantly. You right? know what, what's been happening to me? Mm -hmm. Because of the weather change and I work and I walk a lot. I'm getting it here where I wear my glasses. Right. I, mm -hmm. I was touching, I thought, this is odd. Like, why am I getting these little breakouts here? And it's specifically here. And it's exactly where my glasses are. So I've even having, have to get in the habit of cleaning the sides of my glasses too. Right. And that and, took care of that. And what happens there? What happens there? Well, well, Maya, she is using her, her glasses, uh, obviously very close to the skin. So that causes friction. Friction stimulates keratin production. It's the way the skin works. That's the way, the Even natural just way. just a little thing as glasses. Can you yeah. imagine like the sides right here is where I have all of these little tiny bumps that I have to take care of. So there we have, we're stimulating keratin production, okay, to, to protect your skin from the skin doesn't know if this is a dangerous thing. It doesn't know if, it, you know, if it's helping her to see better. It doesn't matter. The skin's going to produce keratin, <laughs> um, right? Then depending on the material of the, of the glasses, it's 
generally never an absorbent material. So it's either going to be some kind of plastic or some kind of metal that does not absorb. Uh, so whatever production of sebum or sweat is in that area of the skin, it's going to stay there. It's going to remain there, kind of locked in. That's because right. Because of the pressure, uh, uh, right? And then what kind of recipe that is, it's, it's a great recipe for bacterial overgrowth. So just right there with that little example, we can see three of the main mechanisms for, for causing acne interaction, right? So what can, what can Maya do right there and then? Well, she, she's taking a great step, which is making sure that she cleans the surface that's in contact with her skin from the, from the glasses. And then what else she needs to do? Make sure, make sure that you exfoliate the area more yes. frequently or when you do exfoliate don't ignore that area that you would typically not have considered a very like interesting area to be exfoliated mm -hmm. right so make sure you exfoliate that area if you're using toners or essence or anything that's astringent or any treatment that is uh, going to control bacteria overgrowth make sure you apply it in that area right so that th th those are like very simple things that will actually interfere with the with the roadway to producing acne. That's so right. See, so our listeners can can sort of start exercising. We've already spoken of what the possible mechanisms are, so they can at home start exercising their their brain muscle <laughs> for acne uh, causing problems. Um, you know, activate their detection mode. You have to figure out what it is that you're actually doing that can contribute to acne. So we were speaking of fomites, pillowcases, big thing. I would suggest that you wash your pillowcase or change it at the at least, at least I know college kids, yeah, this is foreign to you, right? You need to change that pillowcase uh, at least <laughs> once a week. It would be better that you do it more frequently, maybe twice a week. Uh, try to keep the fabric that you're sleeping on as absorbent and as fresh as possible, right? So that the sweat that you, we naturally produce uh, uh, during the nighttime um, is, is not swimming on the surface of your skin, but rather be absorbed by, by the uh, fabric of the pillowcase. This is the healthiest thing for our skin. Don't think it's nasty, like it absorbing the oil. That's why you have to change it or wash it, right? Um, the sheets, of course, because many times if we have acne on our face, we're generally going to be able to produce acne um, in other parts of our body. Right. So changing the sheets, towels, hygiene on the towels, okay? We need to make a habit, especially speaking to, teenager, to teenagers, all the adults listening to the podcast, don't be offended <laughs> by me trying to explain these basic things. Just remember, <laughs> teenagers and college kids, um, they may be hearing this for the first time or paying attention to it for the first time. Um, because if the parents said it, they may have not paid attention. <laughs> so yeah, wash your towels if possible. Have them dried out in the sun so that you make sure that you have antibacterial, uh, the antibacterial effect from the sunlight, uh, antifungal effect from the from sunlight, because th there can also be funguses 
that interact with our sebum and our pores and can produce um, acne or contribute to an active acne infection, right? Mm -hmm. That anything that you use for the face, such as makeup brushes, that is really important to wash at least once a week. And I'm saying at least I'm being very generous with the yield time. <laughs> you have to wash your brushes, your makeup brushes at least once a week. If you have a very hard time remembering to wash your makeup brushes, avoid them and use, apply your, your, your makeup as much as you can with your fingers, clean fingers, um, because if you constantly forget to wash your brushes, your brushes, sorry, you're going to be in big trouble. And you could be applying treatments and taking medications and taking all sorts of measures, but you would be like reimplanting the the bacteria the, that has overgrown on your skin right. every time you apply makeup. That's right? right. So yeah, that that's very important. Also, if you have active acne and you're starting to take measures hygienic measures you're becoming a little more strict with those and you've been using makeup brushes with all makeup i would suggest that you disinfect the surface of all the makeup possible you could do that with um with alcohol just spray it all let it evaporate that will disinfect it and then start using clean brushes on on that makeup Okay, just general measures that will keep the bacteria overgrowth at bay. It'll give your skin a chance to balance the, 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 the different colonies of good and bad bacteria That's that we right. need That's on our right. skin. Right? That's right. Any other skin tools, if you're doing rollers, massagers, all that, all that stuff, you have to wash them after every use, okay? If you're washing your face with sponges, throw them out. We don't want to have sponges, okay? Um, if, if you leave a sponge on the sink and it stinks, it, it's going to happen on the kitchen sink or the bathroom sink. So get rid of your sponges. Okay? One thing I tell my daughter, because she is not ever going to, at 21 years old, she is never going to give up her sponge because that's how her makeup goes on perfectly, etc. But I tell her to put it in the microwave. Um, it, With water? It, it gets out all of the bacteria. It's a given thing that the microwave will... will even your regular um, dish sponges, you can microwave them at least once a week to make sure that you are not washing your dishes with a sponge that has bacteria because the bacteria starts to grow after 48 hours. So at least, you know, this is a very quick and simple way to get rid of the bacteria. So you just put them in the microwave for a minute or two. And it doesn't even heat them or anything, but it, the bacteria is gone dead. That's, that's a fantastic idea. So I guess for a makeup application, as long as she as she keeps them clean, and she has many of them, so she could you know, correct have one, yeah have one washing and all this stuff. That's okay, but when you're actually washing your face, because not for makeup application necessarily, but for the the hygiene of your face, you're you're putting so much more dead cells on that sponge and that's you're, right. 
it, it's in contact with all the gunky stuff on your skin. Yes. So that will have a, a greater chance of bacterial overgrowth um, than maybe makeup application. Sponges. Oh, definitely. But even when, because I, I have had to learn all of these tips and tricks from my daughter because, I mean, you know, she she has spent hours on end and she knows what to do when it comes to putting on her makeup. Mm -hmm. And apparently when you have to put on the makeup with the sponge is that you have to wet it first. So that's an automatic thing where you know the sponge is getting bacteria because they're using a wet sponge to better spread the makeup. So that's why I say, you know, make sure that if you, if you don't have the time and you're that type of person, it's not going to hurt at all to just quickly put it into the microwave to kill off of the, all of the bacteria. Yeah, and it never yeah. and it never hurts to try to include ingredients all along our skincare routine and our makeup routine that are antibacterial or anti like fungus um, sort of ingredients, natural ingredients. So That's right. It could be lavender. It could be orange blossom flower. There, there are many, many, and Maya will touch on that later. There are so many great ingredients that are natural are non, um, are non, I know Maya doesn't like this word chemical because everything literally is a chemical. It's a chemical, Sugar yes. and water, <laughs> but um, it, it's not a synthetic uh, Exactly. Right? It's something it's that, man -made. You, that, that uh, humankind has been in contact with yes. for centuries and it's, it's proven to be pretty safe. So very little twitches on our skin routine, That's you know, right. getting tea tree water into our, our routine somewhere. You eat that ingredient and you have that uh, in your favor. Okay. Yes. So those are basic measures. Anything that comes in contact with, with your skin, you have to take a double look at it and figure out if you need to, um, more, with more intensity, kind of look for ways to disinfect or minimize the population of bacteria there or the contact with your face, okay? Mm -hmm. Another thing that is very important is when we wash our face and how often we, we wash our face, also how abrasively we do so, okay? So I suggest in general that we do two washing our face morning and evening. That's a basic, uh, let's say, ba basic measures, depending on your age, depending if you have dry skin and you don't have acne, then you can modify to perhaps doing a nighttime routine, which is a bit more intensive because you're taking off all the dust and all the gunk from all the day, makeup, some, you know, sunscreen, all that stuff. And then just in the morning, you don't need to wash so uh, aggressively, but just That's perhaps right. some soft fruit acid or just, you know, splash of mineral water. It depends on your skin type. But we here are today, we're specifically directing our suggestions to acne prone skin, okay? So in acne prone skin, we would suggest to do it morning and evening, okay? That does not mean you're literally gonna put bleach on your face every time you wash your face. What, I don't want, I don't want people to continue this narrative that to fight off acne, we need to be super estrogen, super aggressive, and just scrub and scrub. It's not a dirty dish, okay? It's a living it's like it's the element. That's exactly. right. Exactly. 
acne, remember we spoke of inflammatory factors that influence the appearance of acne, okay? So if we are abrasive, if we wash our hands too much, we're gonna get like inflammation on our hands. That's right, and right? we disturb the pH. Same thing and on our face. And also the, um, our skin barrier. Exactly. So we want effective ingredients in our face wash, which will actually break up the biofilm. We've spoken about this in, in another episode, but biofilm is basically bacteria teaming up, you know, ganging up on us um, to avoid active ingredients and penetrating that community and killing the bacteria. Okay. Right. So that's biofilm. So we need ingredients that are actually um, strong enough to penetrate this biofilm, actually get in there between the skin and this gunky film to clean and kill bacteria, right? Uh, but we don't need ingredients that are too harsh so that they will actually disrupt the lipidic barrier, That's the hydrolipidic right. barrier that we have uh, on the very surface of our skin. That's right. So there's, there's a, a very uh, elegant let's say, dance of ingredients that needs to happen for a good face wash to be effective, okay? And the, the, the best scenario is that it's not effective. The worst scenario is that it's too harsh. Because if we use face washes that are too harsh, that have concentrations that are too high in certain ingredients, um, estrogen ingredients, I know Maya will talk about that. If we go too hard on our skin and too frequently, we wash our face three times a day with really harsh ingredients. What we're going to do is we're going to accelerate the activity of our sebaceous glands, okay? And we're going to irritate our skin so it thinks it's going to, it needs to produce more oil and it needs to produce more keratin, right? So we spoke of that at the beginning, two of the mechanisms of the lead ways into creating acne on our skin. So we don't want to activate that. Exactly, and some of these things sometimes can even cause dehydration of the skin. Right. That we don't even think about this because we think that we're having an acne breakout when it's actually our skin having been dehydrated from these harsh chemicals that we have put in. And it is just the fact that it made the sebum work even more because now it's trying to regulate itself and our skin is actually just dehydrated. And sometimes just a good serum will just do the trick. You're not actually having an acne breakout, you're actually dehydrating your skin. Exactly. And how to figure that out, right? Our listeners, they're like, okay, that sounds really neat, but how do I figure out what this is? Or is it dehydration? Can I just do a simple serum, fix it? Uh, or is it a little more complex? Well, you have to, first of all, take measures in all of the different roads that could lead to acne, right? So you're gonna exfoliate with a, a you know, at the correct frequency. Um, you're going to keep bacterial overgrowth at bay by doing what we just spoke about. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be very conscious of hydrating and you know ingesting lots of water, making sure you are moisturizing your skin, um, all kinds of things. So when you take steps in all of the roads that can actually lead to acne, you will see an if you will see a change, right? Yes. And if one changes more drastically than the other, then you can start to 
understand what it is that in your case is causing your acne. That's right. right? And there's a, also a very simple trick to find out if your skin is dehydrated, which is to go like this. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not pretty, but... And sometimes mm -hmm. you will see the striations because this, your skin will immediately tell you if it's dehydrated and you have to look into how much striations, like it's very difficult to see with the camera now, but you'll, it, will, you, it will actually show you the difference in your skin. You drink maybe a liter, liter and a half of water, and that will usually help to rehydrate because we know now that our body loses about two liters of water a day and that we mm -hmm. need to just replace that and not take in too much water because it actually takes out also goes away with all of the electrolytes in our body when we do too much drinking of water. So um, a liter and a half to two liters a day, it's a, it's a good thing, but it's so very simple. And for us older women who, are, um, who, who really want to know if our skin is actually dehydrated or if we actually just have a whole bunch of um, wrinkles and acne, we can go like this and look and you will see the striations that show. They're, they're going to be very white, and they, they actually show up, because I've had this happen to me in the past few months. And that's so simple. It takes five minutes to know if your skin is actually dehydrated. Do we need to stop? Can you describe stop? what you're doing? Oh, describe. Oh, yeah, I know this is. All right, so I have to describe what I am doing which is going to be, please be patient. Finding <laughs> out how your skin is dehydrated is very easy. You do, you take your mouth and you literally just purse your lips and bring it to one side. When you bring it to the one side, it will show you where, because it actually purposely puts, uh, it actually causes some wrinkles. And within those wrinkles, there will be white striations that you are to look for and you can immediately, automatically know if your skin is dehydrated. And mm -hmm. for us older women who it's difficult because we already have some wrinkles that have settled mm -hmm. in, you take your clean hand okay, on one side of the face, and poof, you lift it up. Okay. And you will see, again, get close up to the mirror, and you will see those striations. Trust mm -hmm. me, I've seen them. <laughs> I've had to take measures, <laughs> which is why I use, uh, I will automatically start using my serum three times a day. I don't put on any makeup, so I can increase the amount of um, serum, because the serums have that deep hydrating effect, and I will put my serum on three times a day instead mm -hmm. of putting it just once or twice, because I know that my skin has gotten dehydrated, and then I get rid of all of that dehydration through um, the serums and, of course, drinking enough water. Right. And then younger patients, what, what you could look for also is flaky skin or your skin feeling tight. Right. Your face, when you, when you make uh, facial movements, you really shouldn't be aware of your skin. 
being tight. Right. And if you are aware, then that's skin tightness. And that could, uh, you know, that's in our checklist for dry, uh, getting, diagnosing dehydrated skin, right? That's right. So those are great tips. Yes. Now, moving on with the subject, and before I just uh, let the, give the floor to Maya, because she has great information of, on different types of ingredients, we need to um, classify acne. I know this is more for the clinical, uh, the, 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 the clinical practitioner, but just so that we all understand the general language, we can um, classify acne into mild, moderate, and severe, okay? Many factors will go into that. That's more for the clinician, but it could be amount of whiteheads, blackheads, actual comedones, which are like the, the pimple, right? That we commonly refer to as pimple, this inflammatory lesion that is um, commonly known as a pimple, um, and many things such as those, or and what percentage or in what relation one of these lesions, skin lesions, um, is present in the skin in regards to the other. Um, also, the, the deepness of the comedones, the, the chronicity of the infection or the inflammatory response, etc. So many of those factors will go into account where when we classify mild, moderate, or severe, you at home, our listeners, could just you, you know do your own version where you're, um, you're speaking of what kind of surface or what percentage of the surface right. on your skin. Is, is, is being covered by, by acne and how big your pimples are, how deep they are, how painful they are, and how constant they are, you know? In a month, are they there? You have breakouts. Every day of the month, we're heading more to a severe case, etc. right? So just mainly, like very broadly speaking. Then we have ingredients that can actually be very effective, effective in all three, maybe only in milds, maybe in moderate, but the main idea is to control the different factors that we've already spoken about, the different roads that can lead to acne that we actually block their pathways, right? And uh, well, I, I guess ingredients-wise, we can start telling our audience what different ingredients we can find in, in skincare that actually fight acne. Okay. Right, Maya? <laughs> yes, we can. Um, I will start by telling you of one ingredient to avoid when you tend to have very oily skin and acne prone skin and even have acne and that is squalene we've all heard dr savine tell us earlier that one of the things that happens with the breakout with the acne breakout is the hyperkeratinization okay and that is actually the squalene that has oxidized itself our lipid barrier has 20% squalene naturally. That's mm. part of what makes up our, our, our whole um, skid lipid barrier. And mm. we know that when we have um, acne, the squalene percentage from naturally on our skin goes up by 120%. Mm. And so one of the things we should not do and I know it's a natural ingredient, but you don't need to add more squalene on top of the fact that it has already oxidized itself. And so that's one of the things that I tell people that, you know, even sometimes, um, you know, it, it may be a natural ingredient that's part of it, but then we also need to know 
the dynamics of what's going on on our skin. And one of those things to do is when you're having an acne breakout, if you had a product that contains squalene, just don't use it for the time being because it's just going to add on to the problem. Okay. So, um, yes, I know people never would think that they would hear me tell them to avoid a natural product, but this is <laughs> this is just life. It, I am all into, if you have dry skin, if you have normal skin, please use that because it's only just going to help replace that squalene that you are missing on mm -hmm. your lipid barrier. Um, however, I don't recommend it for people who have very acne-prone skin. So that that's explains, one of the things. Yeah, yeah, and that explains why certain products or certain ingredients can actually help one person, but then make another person's acne worse. That is because so the, correct. Right, the origin of your acne uh, breakout is different than your friend or your sister or your cousin. So depending on what the origin is in your case, the ingredients will either be beneficial or, or not, right? That's right. Great That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There okay. is, um, when it comes to washing your face and uh, cleaning your face, there's an mm -hmm. ingredient that I use all throughout my 20s. I never had any issues with it, and that's benzoyl peroxide. I know that people think that, yes, this is uh, very irritating. It can be, but again, it's knowing how to use it. When you're using benzoyl peroxide, what I like about that is that it, will, it does something that salicylic acid does not do. The benzoyl peroxide actually kills the bacteria. So you're kind of doing a two-in-one when you're exactly. using benzoyl peroxide. Just make sure that you don't leave it more than 30 seconds. I used to just put some in a little bit of cotton. Mm -hmm. I would wipe down, because my acne would show up over here more mm -hmm. in my decollete, and so I would just wipe it off, and it would take, what, two days for it to go away with mm -hmm. just by using benzoyl peroxide but to make different... sure that you only leave it on 30 seconds. Exactly. It's a fantastic ingredient because what it actually does is it's one of the most effective ingredients that we have to break the biofilm. Right. So that's the game changer. Yes, it that is. That is the game changer. Yes, it is. And I don't care people trying to tell you don't use it, don't use it, but seriously, it mm -hmm. is an effective ingredient. And here I am still, I haven't had any... Uh, uh, bad side effects like the when we use products that are very irritating because if you uh, follow any of or anything on our podcast I am always against product that irritate our skin especially melanin rich skin because it usually will result in us having much uh, what the hyperpigmentation mm -hmm. we have though this is the issue for melanin-rich skin, which is why I always tell people, avoid products that are going to give you any type of irritation because we mm -hmm. are going to pay for it later with dark spots. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another good Early. ingredient that I've heard about a lot is, uh, and I haven't actually brought it into our labs just yet, and mm -hmm. that's azelaic acid. And mm -hmm. the only reason why I talk about it now is because I understand that 
It also can be used by women who are pregnant. It is safe enough to be used by women who are pregnant. And so if it is safe enough to be used by women who are pregnant, I will recommend mm -hmm. it because we know a lot of our skincare gets into our bloodstream. As we are going more and more forward, we are finding out that the things are going deeper into our skin than we actually ever thought or knew about, and which is all the more reason that now we need to be conscientious of what we're putting onto our skin. And azelaic acid has some very good studies and reviews for, for using that as a, as a way to get rid of acne. Okay, fantastic. Is everybody taking notes? I, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, niacinamide is mm -hmm. another good one. Please do not use anything that is over 4%. It will not help. I don't think that 4% is even um, going to really do anything. I believe that niacinamide is one of those products that will work perfectly fine because it does take its time. Mm -hmm. uh, so many times people think that, oh, they're going, they're getting a, a product that doesn't work because it didn't do anything for you within two weeks. Niacinamide is one of those products that you need the same way that you hear uh, dermatologists tell you about how retinoids and retinol are going to help you no matter what. You just have to be patient because you have to give it a few months. I think this is a, an, a way of doing things that we all need to apply for every routine that we have. If we mm -hmm. know that it, it is not, as long as we think, start thinking about skincare as a long term, it's a marathon and not like a short run okay short distance run where you're going to get somewhere it needs to be long term of course there are ingredients and there are formulas that are not going to be for everyone as we have talked about over and over again but the thing is that we need to know our skin type and then knowing our skin type will also help us to determine what exactly type of product that's going to be good for us and right. um niacinamide is one of those products that's definitely one of those ingredients that's definitely very effective mm -hmm. but not necessary to use the higher concentrations some ingredients we need the higher concentrations niacinamide mm -hmm. is the exact opposite i think one percent two percent niacinamide long term is going to do wonders but it needs also help because it's not going to do the job on its own so sort of like an underlying insurance policy for Correct. the long run. An underlying right? insurance policy on the okay. long run. And um, believe it or not, another product, another ingredient that I like and that I actually use in one of our blemish prone products mm -hmm. is collagen. Or it's, uh, or the vegan collagen, what we have, we there's uh, the version of what's called vegan collagen because I don't like to use those two words together. Mm -hmm. However, it's for me, it's a way to make people understand because we actually have a way to use all of the amino acids mm -hmm. 
that are related that make up collagen. So right. we don't necessarily, if, if you're a vegan, you don't necessarily have to go and use a collagen product. However, there will be, you can look for things like lysine, especially lysine, that's an amino acid that really helps with that. And uh, people have a hard time believing when I tell them that collagen will help with their acne because it's actually light and it goes and it keeps that moisture is it, that moisture inside the skin. So I am very much into using a collagen or a collagen that's been put together with all of the amino acids for acne treatment. And, and this is yes, go ahead. To, to make a film of your own when applying Correct. skincare to Correct. preserve hydrate the hydration that you you know with, you've applied with your serums and and you know from you know drinking water and all of the good stuff that you're putting on your skin so collagen will be like a like a film that will prevent water from evaporating and that will keep the nice healthy ingredients close to your skin surface right because As collagen opposed... gets such a bad rap yeah because people, everything, everyone is expecting for collagen to penetrate inside the skin. It's a huge it, molecule. It, because it, and, they, and then they interpret it as it, it's not working because it's such a huge molecule, it's not. But it's staying at the surface of the skin, right. which is exactly doing its job by staying at the surface of the skin. Because how, how much better can it get as you're getting something that your skin that's already under or under the skin and that's there to plump it. But we know that it doesn't have to penetrate in order to do something. I used to keep a collagen cream because my grandmother, uh, may she rest in peace, she was very much always in cooking. And for mm -hmm. some reason, she would always have accidents with getting burned. She had burns all over her arms and I made a specific collagen cream just for her to use because it would literally get rid of the burn mark within two weeks. Can I get a granddaughter like Maya when <laughs> I have grandchildren? <laughs> with, have, with having a collagen cream around, which is amazing, which is what I, I actually always tell people. You know, it, it doesn't have to penetrate. I would, rather, I would rather use something based on collagen than to use Vaseline, for example because the skin gets way too comfortable when you're using Vaseline. I, so many doctors, so many people to, to say, yes, use Vaseline, it's fine, you know, because it's good. But the skin gets so comfortable under Vaseline that it stops doing its own job, <laughs> which is what okay. we say, you know, we, it stops doing its own job, which is, you know, to... Um, we, we get entitled skin. Absorption. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay. And then one more ingredient I want to recommend if um, people have acne prone skin and you want to absolutely use an oil, which mm -hmm. uh, I actually like is Nigel oil. It is light, but it will protect the skin and it penetrates deep and it helps to restore that skin barrier that, we, that we've been talking about. Okay, fantastic idea for ideas for ingredients. Uh, I, I was taking note of everything. I hope our listeners were, were doing so as well. So specifically speaking now of melanin-rich skin types, um, all the ingredients that, that Maya spoke about um, 
our, our skin safe for our types of skin, you know, our Fitzpatrick's, um, like, you know, melanin rich skin types, medium productive uh, melanin skin types, because they're not too harsh on our skin, right? And then, of course, in the industry, there are hundreds, many more ingredients. What we're trying to, um, we're suggesting that our listeners do, this is like a, initiating a dialogue that we hope that continues uh, with you at home, amongst your friends and your family, to start um, breaking down the list of ingredients in all of our skincare, but in this case, specifically speaking of acne, um, acne skincare, we want to research. We want to figure out percentages and when it's correct and when it's not correct to have a higher percentage. Like just a great example of what Maya just said uh, was niacinamide, right? Um, not every not every time that we see a higher higher percentage. Um, on our product, it means it's going to be better for our skin. But this is a good situation in, in which we can actually consider the use of acids on our skincare, uh, in, in our skincare, sorry, to be beneficial for our skin, right? Uh, right? So salicylic acid, depending on what the acid does, the percentage of the acid, acids will change the pH on their skin, which right. will be good to balance the, the bacterial uh, um, colonization of our skin. We don't wanna kill all bacteria. We need good bacteria and bad bacteria to have a, a balance. Uh, we just wanna have uh, ingredients that can control the overgrowth of the bad bacteria. Right. So in this case, acids can be a good idea. Of course, low percentages because we don't wanna create hyperpigmentation then if we also have this um, inflammatory interference in the mechanism of, of acne in, in our case, then we wanna have soothing ingredients as well, right? Anything that's anti-inflammatory along with the antibacterial properties oh. of all the ingredients Maya just mentioned. So we'd still be looking at calendula and lavender. Correct. Um, right, many other things that can, uh, we've been speaking during our episodes in our podcast that can be soothing. So we wanna, we wanna be able to create uh, roadblocks in every one of those um, pathways that mm -hmm. we spoke about to creating or producing acne. So we wanna create roadblocks on every one of those so that we can have more chances of influencing the, the appearance of acne on our skin in the long run, right? That's be patient. Right. I think uh, something that we want all our listeners to take home is be patient. It's, acne does not define you, okay? Acne is it's transitory for however long you think you've, you've had it or you have the impression that it's never gonna end. It's transitory. We are dedicating this episode to acne because it, like we spoke about in the beginning, it's, it's, it has a great incidence um, in skin health yes. around the world, right? This is why it's important to, to speak about it, but not to add to this conversation of paranoia and um, we, we've got to be acne-free. We'll always have a breakout sometime in our life, a pimple here and there. At any um, age. At any age. It's not, it's not that big a deal. So 
bottom line, it's not that big a deal, not because it's not important that you're suffering from it, but it, it, it's not something that should override your life. That's so that's, right. that's something really important we want you to... The message of the podcast is love your melanin, but also love your skin, love the skin that you're in. And if it happens, if it just so happens that right now you have a huge breakout and it's taken forever to get rid of it, it's not you, okay? It's don't allow it to influence your, your feelings, control how much of the appearance of the acne can actually affect your self-worth, um, your relationship with others. It's not worth it. And I tell you, like an almost 40-year-old person, it's not that big a deal. Invest more time in, in your mental health and your, you know, validating your feelings and your relationships. There's ways to deal with the stuff on the surface. And we hope that we have contributed to, to taking practical steps in, in achieving that. And, and I, I, I just want to, before we close the, the, the episode, I forgot to mention, and I wanted to talk to you about that, but maybe we can leave it for another podcast, which is a great subject. Um, using probiotics on skincare and yes. how a great balancing effect that has on yes. bacterial overgrowth right? yes. and pH balance. So that's yes, another thing. Yes, we definitely need to do. Maybe we need to even do a special episode on what to eat as right. far as when your skin is concerned and just in general, in general. especially to there are so many even just entire meals we can make that are geared towards getting rid of acne because as as a as a very far down the road consequence of increasing our or improving sorry uh, our our gut health the bacterial balance in our gut and that's going to improve our digestive system and the 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 effectiveness of our digestive system to absorb nutrients which will make you healthier and have more um, vitamins and minerals and proteins available to your body for its bodily functions. And that's right. You know, as a surplus, it will eventually also help with acne. Again, acne should not be the center of your life. If it is, if you notice it's taking a, a toll on your health or uh, your mental health, take a break, right? Get yourself involved in other activities, consciously avoiding letting acne be more than it's supposed to be. No matter right. how severe it is, you are so much more than the breakout on your face. So that, Thank that's, you that's my two so cents. Thank you so much, Dr. Savine. Doctor, I'm so happy that we are back together again Yay. doing our Love Your Melanin podcast. <laughs> Please be sure to send us your questions, your comments. Right. We are here for that. We will be waiting and anticipating and this has been another episode of love your melanin pod follow us we are on facebook we are on instagram um that it yes okay <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody and yes we'll be here to answer your questions see you next time bye bye, -bye.